0: Welcome to Glass City Game Time, one of America's great sports podcasts brought to you by The Blade. And yep, one of America's greats. We haven't even had an episode yet and we already just know. When you know, you know, right? My name is Scott McNeish. I am the sports editor of The Blade newspaper in Sleet, Ohio, and I will serve as your host. The Blade has been out of the podcast game for a while. We've just been hibernating. You could just say we've been waiting in the tall grass waiting to strike. So here's how it's going to work. We're going to be a weekly podcast focusing mostly on sports in Northwest Ohio and Southeast Michigan. We're going to talk a little high school, we're going to talk a little college, and we're going to have a fun sports debate at the end of each episode. You'll be able to hear more about the sports that you love right from the writers who know them best. That's what we're about, and that's how it's going to work. So for episode one, to set the tone, we're going to break down our blade poll and the Friday forecast for high school football. We're going to talk a little bit about a University of Toledo football's win over BYU and at the end, here's a question. Who are the best movie football players of all time? And spoiler alert, Airbud Golden Receiver is not one of them, sorry. First, we're gonna talk high school football. And to talk about that, we've got legendary writer, Steve Junga. Hi, Scott. And we've got famous world traveler and Newfoundland's adopted son, Mark Monroe. Ah, hello, hello. So Steve, let's talk the blade pole. Let's go division one and division two. Please, let's just say, who do you got? And more importantly, why are they there?
1: Well, uh, since uh, we began the poll a few weeks ago, it's been Central Catholic number one in Division One, two. We have a combined poll. Um, we break it down into three different divisional groups. Uh, Central Catholic number one. They've outscored their opponents 106 to 4, 176 to 44 so far, and five and zero. Oh. Um, they were the best team hands down last year. Lost a ton of talent from that team, but somehow have been able to reload have a quarterback playing this year that's much more proficient in the passing game. And at this point, until somebody knocks him off, uh, we got him number one. Um, Whitmer at number two, um, no secret there, the biggest addition um, of anybody in the area is running back senior Jared Banks, who came over from Monroe, Michigan, just tearing it up uh, last week against St. John's, uh, 289 yards, three touchdowns in that victory. Um, those two teams play um, not this Friday but the following Friday, so we'll see uh, yeah, who that, is number one. And then we'll let Mark talk. Oh about yeah, top, no, that's number a,
2: three. That's a big one. Those top two, you can't go wrong with those two. But yeah, next Friday is going to be a a great matchup. You got number six or number uh, four in the state in Division two in Central, and then Whitmer in the top division. They're number six in the state, poll Division uh, one. But yeah, you mentioned. Uh, the same old top two teams in the track going at it and uh, yeah they look as good as ever number three we have uh the Anthony Wayne Generals which to me I've seen them play several times they've been the most impressive team you know in our area they're five and oh and just uh they're outscoring opponents 167 to 34 so back-to-back
1: shutouts in the last couple weeks yeah, and then at number four in that Division One, two poll is St. Francis uh, DeSales, a team that uh, people around here would know from decades under Dick Cromwell, um, and even before Dick back into the 60s. A lot of great teams had kind of a hiatus for a number of years, probably about a, a six-, seven-year block of just mediocrity, and, and just um, a few years there, they were just bad. I mean, there was a three-year stretch; they were three and twenty-seven. But uh, Dan Chipka, in his third year as head coach, has kind of energized that team, that program. And uh, they're not back to where they were as like the dominant force no. from the area, but they are a lot better than they have been. And they're off to a four-and-one start. Yeah, it's and, good. Uh, good
2: to see them back, Steve, for sure. Their skill guys really stand out to me. They have a lot of speed, and uh, they hung right with Anthony Wayne. I think it might have been the second game of the season at the Glass Bowl, and I thought, yeah. St. Francis, like you said, may not be fully back, but they're certainly uh, back to to you know competitive you know competitive. Uh, you know, I I bet they're gonna be in the playoffs. I would be my guess if they keep playing the way you know they have some some tough games coming up. But uh, yeah, and then number five on our list is Perrysburg, which uh, they're four and one and uh, suffered their. A loss last week uh, to Anthony Wayne. Uh, bad weather. You were a part of it, Steve. That was pretty awful weather last week. And uh, really
1: yeah, it wasn't too bad where I was, which was up in the nice, toasted press box <laughs> and there, dry. Right. That's the so place I couldn't be. quite figure out why those quarterbacks couldn't throw those passes or nobody could <laughs> catch them, but because it, the conditions were fine where yeah, I was. Yeah, but it was but nice nice Anyway, it, yeah. it was, uh, they, if you look the numbers in the area, the, there wasn't a whole lot of passing that right. night. And, and uh, that, that's what Perrysburg does best with Drew Sims,
2: finally fully healthy. He's set career records over there, and if anybody knows the history of Perrysburg quarterbacks, that's, that's pretty significant for him to set career passing marks and TD marks, especially when he was injured all of last year, essentially. He started as a freshman and, I think if he has better weather, I'm not saying that, you know, they beat Anthony Wayne, but I think it's closer.
1: Yeah, and back to Anthony Wayne, just to wrap it up, uh, I'm not sure they're not the best team in the area. I yeah. would like to see them play Central Catholic and Whitmer. Um, there there was a common opponent in St. John's, which Anthony Wayne just uh, ripped up. Uh, it was an odd night. I uh, expected that either team could win that game, but 56-14 uh, to 14 for Anthony Wayne, just blew my mind. So, uh, yeah. I'm not sure. You know, I'd like to see, and and I, unfortunately, we won't see Anthony Wayne play Whitmer because right. they're in different divisions for the playoffs. But there could be a Central Catholic Anthony Wayne right. matchup eventually.
2: I definitely see Anthony Wayne winning out, winning the third straight NLL, and with their quarterback uh, Mason Alberts and then Ezra Scott, the running back. You know what was most telling? I thought Matt Kriegel, the Perrysburg coach, says last week to me. That that's the best offensive and defensive line that he is the high school line that he has seen. Guy's been around for a long time, so, you know, they're tough up front. They've got a lot of division one commits. Nolan Barber's going to navy, I think that they're legit. I can see them making another deep run.
0: Moseying on down to division three, four and five guys. Top two teams stayed the same. Little flip flop in the middle and a newcomer at the end. Break it down for us.
1: Yeah, I've been uh, pretty high on this Oak Harbor team. Saw them last year in the playoffs, uh, and the major components of that team are back. Um, a good chunk of their line, but more importantly, the quarterback, Jack Alexander, and uh, his running mate, Clay Schulte. Terrific one-two punch. Um, Eastwood in at number two, and uh, they were a team that reached the Division Five state final, lost a heartbreaker. Mark was there to see it uh, two years ago. Um, they are actually ranked in the state poll one notch ahead of Oak Harbor, but uh, just based on what was done last year, um, Oak Harbor gets the nod for now. The good thing there is they may eventually see each other in the playoffs.
2: Oh, that would be a great matchup, wouldn't it? I, I could see them easily flip flop here. In fact, I think I would put maybe Eastwood on top. Uh, Rayford, you mentioned uh, Jaden. Ra- the state championship, Jaden Rayford was a sophomore then. He is now a senior. Um, it's committed to UT. Uh, he's getting. Toledo's going to get another one, Bucky, another good local uh, running back, and uh, the Pickerel, They have a one-two running back. And I think Steve's got a feature,
1: a uh, little
2: promotion here. Steve's got a promotion in Friday's Blade on uh, Eastwood football.
1: Absolutely, it's and it's on the one-two punch. Uh, I did a little bit of the stat uh, in preparation, and those two guys have produced over 340 yards per game between. Uh, rushing and receiving um hard to top that uh rayford uh as a sophomore rushed for over 2200 yards and had 35 touchdowns that season uh he was just uh, uh magnificent and he's got a guy that's uh i wouldn't say equally as good but mm-hmm. uh pretty darn close and they just uh you know pick your poison there Once they do punch. not throw it much and what they do they're I looked up in their uh, their passing stats, 14 of 17 <laughs> that's, completed. That's, that's and old school few, Eastwood. That's absolutely. what they do when they're
2: good. They, that's, they run the ball. They have that, that veer, and you don't know where they're attacking, and then they're good. And then further, you go next on the list, uh, Northwood.
1: The Northwood Rangers, they're kind of of a victim of their um, league circumstance. They are just so far ahead of anybody in the Toledo Area Athletic Conference Um, No matter what they do over the last seven weeks of any season, when they're like they are this year, they just don't get tested. They run into the playoffs, and you're not used to that level of play. So that's the challenge. Um, Can they uh, uh, produce something in practice that's uh, enough to, you know, bring out the best of that team? They just, uh, you know, last year I think they outscored the, the opponents in the league by an average of, like, 60-6. Sixty to six. Yeah, that's so, a good point.
2: Um, you know, Ken James always has them rolling, and you know, I thought maybe Eden would give them a test, but would they beat them fifty-two to twelve? So I think you're right. Does that? Do you think that hurts them a little bit, Steve, in the playoffs when you know they're playing the the weaker?
1: Yeah, state? because you just you get a false sense of security. I think um, you just you're used to nothing but success, and then you get into that first playoff game with a legitimate opponent and things don't go so easy, and maybe you start to question yourself a little bit. They haven't had a lot of success in the postseason, I think just one win in about 11 or 12 appearances over the years, so I, you know, for them to be the best that pro football program they could be, they could use um, a relocation to a different league that's mm-hmm. not possible at the moment, mm-hmm. but uh, I'd like to see, there's, there's one interesting thing about them, you know Ken James, mm-hmm pretty run heavy coach over the years mm-hmm. they're throwing it more than ever I think people are questioning whether it's a, a you know an imposter in there right now with Ken coaching the team but uh, <laughs> with Jay Moton, they're putting it up a lot and yeah, that, that should good that may help them uh, counteract some things in the playoffs the number four team Wassey on, four and one one of the surprises of the year mm-hmm. um they just got their first loss last week in a back-and-forth game with Liberty Center, which they went down 35-29, but uh, great job by the new coach, Sean Moore, over there. And then in at number five this week, a team that was not ranked last week, Liberty Benton, 4-1, and one, a program that uh, maybe not in the Toledo area a lot of people are familiar with, but Northwest Ohio at large uh, very good football pedigree over the last 15 years absolutely state final trip uh, about 10 years ago Aaron Kraft was the quarterback of that team which everybody would know from Ohio State basketball but uh, they're back and they uh, worthy um, of their selection at number five this week
0: last but certainly not even close to least let's go division six and seven tough to beat some of these teams guys well, you look at number one, right, Steve McComb. How about them? Uh, they thought, you know, they won that
2: state championship last year, and they lose a lot, and uh, people think uh, maybe, uh, you know, but they just reload down there, don't they?
1: Absolutely. Uh, if you go back over the tenure of Coach Chris LG, he's been there, I think it's his 22nd, 23rd year. Um, I don't know that Chris has had a losing season. If it is, it's one time. He's been in the playoffs probably 19 of those years, 20 of those years. Last year, uh, a roster of somewhere around 30. Um, they had eight or nine, ten guys going two ways, mm-hmm. including in the state championship game. And they just know how to play football. Uh, there's
2: ex- an expectation to win down there. doesn't matter what they've lost. They're number two in the state and just
1: continue to roll yeah and they lost um probably the most all around most productive mm-hmm. player we saw last year um the quarterback uh um, Shred- schrader. Tanner schrader, schrader yep. who um he he passed the ball he ran the ball he went out at receiver now and then in different formations had eleven interceptions as a defensive back he scored over three hundred points total. Um, they lose that guy and they put another guy in there this year, uh, Aaron Davis, who is doing a great job as well. And um, you know, I thought they would dip a little bit, but they're five and zero, and they've mm-hmm. outscored their opposition 196 to 65 so far. And they uh, take our number one spot right now, one notch barely yeah. ahead of Liberty Center. These these the next two here actually are, is our game of the week, I believe, on Friday. You
2: have. Liberty Center at number two playing Archbold, uh, both, um, you know, uh, undefeated, and uh, that's going to be a great game. Um, Number two in the state, uh, Liberty Center, and then uh, Archbold is four. So, I mean, those are obviously two top four teams in the state going at it. Archbold beat... uh, Patrick Henry in a, a good game last week by a point. And then, uh, so, yeah, I think that's going to be a great test. What, what do you think on that one, Steve? I
1: think I've always had a very high regard for the Northwest Ohio Athletic League. Uh, it's a league I covered in my early years at the Blade and uh, was very impressed with the town versus town aspect. Uh, um, everybody's there. The kids are into the game. It's old school football. Um, and not much has changed over the years. The big surprise this year is how many good teams are in the sure. top half of that league um, up until this past week were all ranked in the top ten in their respective divisions. That's amazing. A lot of teams were looking at Patrick Henry because they got just about everybody back from last year, and the team that won the league went 7-0. and And I still think they can make a, st- a strong playoff run once the uh, postseason comes in Division 7. But I'm not, so. I mean, they've already fallen to Archbold, uh, which was a big, uh, they went for two, um, lost by a point, gambled and lost. And uh, the fifth team in our, our poll uh, would be Gibsonburg this week, a team that won their division last year in the SBC in the River Division, 5-0, and off to a great start. Coach Mike Lee, who got had a lot of early su- success, people would remember back better at around. Woodmore, mm-hmm. and has been an assistant coach for a number of years. had a little stint at clay a few years ago but a great high school football coach and he's doing a good job over there
0: thanks guys it might be wednesday for us but we're going to talk a little friday forecast for you guys that don't know friday forecast is a content piece that we do every friday where we are predicting 10 of the best games in the toledo area so let's go one by one let's start with start oh and five at wait oh and five what do you guys see there First of all, Steve, did,
2: when when you go out to games on Friday night,
1: any, does anybody ever say anything to you about your picks? <laughs> every time, just about every time, um, especially if I'm at the game that I've picked and if I picked against those right. guys, and then I really I hear think it. we're going to give up 28 <laughs> points. Uh, <laughs> well, keep, I hear it, people. I, People like this. This <laughs> forecast, That's you can imagine what I heard at Anthony Wayne the night that I had picked St. John's to be Yeah, them. I had picked St. John's too, on glad I wasn't and there. I was uh, <laughs> uh, wrong by about fifty-six to fourteen. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I heard it a little bit up there. And yes, we do hear a lot. Uh, this first game here started. Wait, both teams zero and five, but they were picked to finish one and two in the league in the preseason. A very disappointing season so far for the uh, city league in its entirety. They're off in their non-league. The five weeks, they're four and twenty-five, plus a forfeit win by Rogers. But uh, the tide will turn a little bit here. It has to because they're going to play each other. Win. Somebody's got to win. And you got um, to
2: look at start as the how many years in a row have
1: they won the. They've the won city? it four straight, four straight in years. A row. One for five. Um, and I don't see any reason why they're not going to do it again. It'll right. play itself out. But, uh, yeah, that's a, a good matchup. Uh, unfortunately, if it is one versus two, that it happens in the first week of league play. That's true. And Next is
0: it. Central Catholic 5-0 and 0 at Clay 4-1. and 1.
1: Yeah, this one, um, I would have to say Clay is the uh, um, absolute, I guess, surprise of the year yeah, so far. you for sure. They started out four and and0 They were picked to finish last in the league. They mm-hmm. were one and nine last year. They haven't had much success at all since the uh, start of the track back in twenty eleven. But uh, Coach John Gallius has got his Eagles going over there, and uh, they're putting it together. He he tells me that he says the differences. They really believe in what they're doing, and the kids are buying in. And uh, unfortunately, they have to uh, yeah. use that uh, belief against a very yes. good football team on Friday. Not sure it's gonna go too well. Now, yeah, it was,
2: Clay started off right undefeated four and zero before uh, losing last week to St. Francis. But Central is just uh, by far the best team that they're gonna play, and that'll be a, a tough one. I agree. Clay's got to be our surprise
0: team. Northview is at three and two. We're gonna go at Springfield one and four. What do you guys think?
1: This one I think uh, can be a little bit deceiving, especially on the side of Springfield at one and four. I suspect they're a little bit better team than that. Unfortunately, they opened with uh, Central Catholic and got stomped 48 mm-hmm. to nothing. Then they go and play uh, Sandusky, another great team from the Sandusky Bay Conference. Um, they played a team uh, from uh, the Columbus area, Lewis Center, um, Olin Tangy, uh, went down there. Um, they did finally get a win last week with Napoleon. I suspect they're a little bit better, and I would not necessarily. Uh, uh, lean toward Northview just because of the 3-2 and two record in that game. Yeah, I mean, it, I think this game hinges on
2: whether Trent Sims, the Northview quarterback, is healthy. He's a dynamic player. He'll be going to Bowling Green, and he uh, missed a couple of games. He came in at the second half of Anthony Wayne game and was not effective, but uh, he was back last week, and they won. So, I yeah, Springfield, I think, might be our the surprise for me at one and four that, uh, they've got off to a rough start. But as you mentioned, the schedule is very tough. So
0: I think that's going to be, uh, the game of the week in the NLL. Another toss up to make your guys' predictions, uh, interesting. Genoa two and three at Rossford three and two.
1: Right out of the gate this year, Genoa suffered a big loss with, uh, um, their fullback going out. Uh, and, uh, it set them back a little bit, and then they, they uh, open up with, uh, well, their second game. Their first game is columbus Reedy, a, a pretty good team out of Central Ohio, playoff pedigree over the years. Then they run into their rival, Oak Harbor, um, and got mashed pretty good in that game. Um, they were licking their wounds a little bit, but since they got into league play two weeks ago, they're 2-0 in the league, and uh, they're, I think, back to being Genoa Maybe not. It's uh, not the Genoa that we're used to over right. the last yeah, and, that uh, 10, 12 years. Second
2: to none in the NBC, other than Eastwood, obviously. But Rossford, I think, is similar. Where they had a quarterback, their quarterback got injured, and uh, in a couple of those losses. So mm-hmm. Krumanekers back. So I think uh, that's going to be a good one too. Um, probably uh, I, I'd probably pick Genoa.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I
0: would see you go three and two at
1: Lake. One and four. Can a Lake pull off an upset, guys? Not this week. Um, <laughs> at Seagulls, uh although with two losses, they're to Liberty Center um, and Eastwood, two and 5-0 teams, Not uh, about the same thing as the Faustoria situation. Good, solid football team. Coach Matt Giro has done a good job of uh, kind of getting back to where the Knights were under Dan Kokey um, if you go back 10, 15 years. One of the great Northwest Ohio for coaches sure. of all yeah. time, yeah. and a lot of good teams over there. Um, it's
2: I, at it's at Lake though, Steve. Is there a better place f- uh, for a small smaller school than that stadium over there? No. That's I mean that's a that's a nice home field advantage, but the turf and the press box that's a nice uh, nice atmosphere.
1: Yes, their athletic programs or their facilities all the way around are good. Unfortunately, it's the benefit of a, a tragedy tornado. with the tornado yeah. back mm-hmm. in twenty ten but they uh, uh, underwent uh, a lot of damage over there that, uh, from the tornado, and the net result was they had to rebuild some things, and one of them was redoing the stadium and getting turf. They got uh, some assistance from the Cleveland Browns, and you're right, the uh, facilities are first rate, but on this night I don't think they're going to make yeah, a difference. Yeah, you got to go in that one.
0: All right, the big one, Liberty Center 5-0, and Archbold 5-0. and We talked about it a little bit before, but which way are you guys leaning with this one?
1: Ordinarily, it would be Liberty ben, ben or excuse me, Liberty Center, hands down. Um, but I'm not so sure. I mean, this Archbold team has already beaten Patrick Henry, um, won big points there. I think they, even though they won last week, uh, slipped up a little bit with a narrow win over Brian. Um, they are at home. It's a toss up, and I will stay with the Tigers of Liberty Center. I think um, you know they're just, uh, and I'm not. Seeing that this race is going to be over with after no, this week or I think the next it comes week, comes down to the season finale. Yeah, I with, think you're uh, going to see a few of these teams beat each Liberty other, Center and maybe and even have a tie for the championship. Yeah, but this week I'm going Liberty Center. You? I think so.
2: I think it, it's going to be really close, uh, you know. But you know, Archbold being at home, I think uh, we'll keep it close. But I think, uh, yeah, Liberty Center is going to prevail
1: there.
0: And next we have Bedford's game of the year every year, right? They're four and one. They're going at Celine. Familiar face for Northwest Ohio people at the sideline there. What do you guys got there?
1: Well, this is a one that uh, <clears throat> I personally have been um, look, pointing to since the start of the season or since uh, Mike Vickers was named the, the new coach at Bedford. Um, Mark and I have both written about Mike over the years and his exploits as a the turnaround yeah. guy. Amazing, the magic man. They can turn any program around. And this is a situation he stepped in. He didn't have to. Yeah. S- they were already a great program. Mm-hmm. He just has to kind of. Um, get them to transition to his style a little more, which isn't a whole lot different um, scheme-wise. But uh, they play Celine. They're at home, but this is the test. Another uh, a guy that's familiar from our area, from Whitmer, Joe Polka is the coach at Celine. What Bedford's up against Friday night is a Celine team that has won 30 straight games in the SEC Red Division. Bedford, the last loss they had was, I looked it up, was back in um, – 2013, um, 33 to 17, Bedford, and I think that is the only loss uh, for Joe Paulka since he joined this conference with Celine. Um, But then again, Mike Mike Vickers has worked this magic. We've seen it at different places. I think they're a little overmatched here. Uh, I lean towards Celine, um, but uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, that's
2: the game I'm covering I'm really looking forward to being that that's a great atmosphere there uh, it's it's always loud that's the community is very passionate about uh, the mules up there all the sports up there and uh, really looking forward to that but I, I tend to agree with you on this one that
0: uh, tough test and you have to go with Celine. So that's it and in segment number two we're gonna talk to Brian Bucky our beat writer for University of Toledo football we'll be right back. All right, we're back. Segment number two, we're going to talk UT football with Brian Bucky. Say hello, Brian. Hey, Scott. How you doing? I'm good. All right, let's talk BYU last week, and then we'll look forward. Why was that such a big win over BYU last week?
3: Well, first of all, I think it's it was a big win to get BYU to come play at the Glass Bowl, just scheduling-wise, just a, a team with that you know tradition, that history. It was big to get them to come to the Glass Bowl, and big for Toledo fans to be able to see a team like that. Um, and then as for the game... I think the theme that came out of that game was just kind of overcoming miscues and overcoming a little adversity in the, in the second half. And BYU took a 7-3 lead into halftime. They scored on their first possession out of halftime to go up 14-3. It seemed like they might be kind of on their way. Toledo's offense wasn't doing a whole lot. Um, and then all of a sudden Toledo just kind of clawed back and, and clawed back. And um, with the game tied, going in for the potential game, game-winning drive, Brian Kobach you know, put the ball on the ground. Um, it looked like it might be headed towards a BYU um, game-winning drive or headed to overtime, but on the very next play, um, Toledo's Khalil Robinson, safety, picks off a pass from Zach Wilson, runs it down to the two-yard line, um, and then uh, Shakif Seymour punches it in from two yards out for a big win. So it's a it's a Group Five team that in BYU that had you know played a really tough schedule coming into Toledo, um, was two and two coming in after, you know, beating Tennessee, beating USC, losing to Washington, um, and so I think it was just a, a big test for Toledo, another group of five team who was very good, and, and they were able to get it done.
0: How big could that be, just confidence-wise, going into, now it's the meat of the schedule, now we can accomplish some things?
3: Yeah, absolutely. It's a big uh, big boost, and they, they have to be ready right away, because Western Michigan comes in in the glass bowl, you know, first mat game, so... Those are the two teams that were predicted at the top of the conference, and they'll and they'll face each other right away. So they'll have to kind of um, reset after the BYU win, great win, but they mentioned they'll they they you know celebrated that for a day, get right back to preparation for, you know, for a good Western Michigan team coming in, and it's a game that should have huge uh, Mac West implications.
0: Western Michigan can score a lot of points. You're writing about this today, but we'll do a little preview of it. UT has not given up a lot of points. But they've given up a lot of yards. It's a conundrum. Just uh, talk about UT's defense and what they're going to be seeing this week.
3: Yeah, so they're the top scoring defense right now in the MAC, but they also have given up the most yards in the MAC. So um, it's a little bit of a kind of a weird dynamic. But it's kind of a bend but don't break type thing. Um, they gave up almost you know 700 yards at Colorado State, so that was kind of a an outlier there. But um, you know when they needed to, they came up with a stop there. That in that game it yeah. was. Two times, you know, stopping them at the two-yard line on on hail marys at the end of the half and at the end of the game, um, but yeah, they've they've been good situationally on third downs, you know, getting off the field when they need to. Um, a couple times, you know, they picked up the offense when maybe there's a turnover or a you know a, a miscue or something like that, and they've been able to you know limit you know the opposing team to a field goal. Um, so it's it's a much improved defense. They're playing a lot of younger guys, um, so. I think it's a defense that will continue to grow as the season goes along, but Western Michigan is a a high-scoring team, and they have a really good running back in Levante Bellamy, uh, senior quarterback in John Wasink, who's um, a really experienced guy and and knows how to lead the offense, so it'll be a big test against Western Michigan.
0: Now the question that every beat writer just loves to get asked, prediction, who's going to win? I
3: think think Toledo gets it done, actually. Um, I think offensively they can do enough. Um, against the Western Michigan defense, and
0: I think they do just enough to get a a home win. All right, sticking with predictions, Brian and I are going to break down the top 25 games this week. Number four, Ohio State versus number 25, Michigan State. This is going to be the first-ranked team Ohio State has played. Michigan State gives them fits, but, man, Ohio State looks good. Give me number four, Ohio State, in that one.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, There's too much offense, too much overall firepower for Michigan State, who's a good defensive team, but doesn't have a whole lot offensively.
0: One where we're gonna be covering, number nine at Notre Dame, welcomes Bowling Green, who is a huge underdog. This is gonna get ugly, given <laughs> Notre Dame is gonna win big. Yeah, can Bowling Green cover the spread, which I think was 40 plus? Yeah, so. 45, so yeah, that's gonna be really ugly. This is gonna be a fun one, number 14, Iowa at number 19, Michigan. Michigan beat Rutgers in a JV game last week, <laughs> but who do you have here, Brian? That's a tough one. I think uh, Michigan's Elvis is going to be hungry for for a win, for
3: a big win over a ranked team. But I, I don't know. I have a, just have a feeling Iowa gets it done.
0: I've heard Iowa described as Wisconsin light, mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think it's very similar. And Michigan did not handle Wisconsin very well at all. So I'm going to take number 14 Iowa on the road over Michigan. All right, that is our college segment. When we return, the fun part—we're going to break down the top football players from movies all time. Stick around. All right, our last segment. We are going to break down our each, our top three all-time football players from movies. So not real people. That's what makes it interesting. So we're going to go around the table. We're going to start with Steve Junga. Who's your top three?
1: Well, um, I'm a 1970s guy since I graduated (laughs) high school in that decade. And um, I've got three guys from back then. Number one, Burt Reynolds as Paul Crew in the original um, longest yard when the he led the mean machine, uh, the victory over the guards, and did it in style. Um, number two, um, another from the 70s, 1979, Nick Nolte as one of the two main characters in North Dallas 40. He was kind of a uh, Fred Belitnikov type receiver. Um, and that movie opened you up to a lot of the, the ills of uh, professional football. Number three, James Kahn and Brian song, the tearjerker from 1971. Uh, who could forget that um, movie? <laughs> he played Brian Piccolo, mm-hmm. the um, the Chicago Bears running back. That was great. Friends with Gale Sayers, and uh, yeah, that, that's my three, all from the 70s. There Terrific choices, Steve. Come on,
2: <laughs> old school. Who, who would who would who would think Steve goes old school? I love it. But we actually do agree on on one of them. My number two was the Burt Reynolds there in the, the longest yard. Uh, that inmates versus the guard. I think half the movie was like the football game, you know, in the yard. That, that you know he played. And a quarter the, of
1: the movie was the last play. It's, <laughs> yeah, right. You know, and it, you know,
2: Burt Reynolds obviously played college football at Florida State, so it had a little realism. Realism, even though it was inmates guards. Uh, num- number one on my list was Rudy. You gotta say Rudy. Uh, I mean, yeah. that's probably everybody's choice, but uh, that's a great. I'm not a big Notre Dame guy, but it almost makes you you, know, you root for the guy, at, uh, Rudy Rudiger, at the, you know, getting out of the steel steel mill. But my last one, the surprise one, Forrest Gump, guys. Oh, <laughs> Forrest Come Gump! Come on, when he runs onto the practice field, Bear Bryant runs. <laughs> He's got that upright stance running through, and then you know, at the at the uh, stadium, the full pack stadium, they put up the stop sign and. Uh, Meets Kennedy and uh, Tom Hanks can't can't go wrong. They're the best American actor of all time. There so you that's go. That's what I got. It was solid, Brian. All right, for me,
3: number one is uh, Bobby Boucher. Oh, Had to go with it. Stole <laughs> Water Boy. Um, yeah, just uh, fearless linebacker, <laughs> great Water Boy. Always always uh, stayed hydrated. So how can you not love Bobby Boucher? Um, Adam Sandler's uh, pretty funny character in the Water Boy. Mm. Um, number two, I did go with Rudy, um, just a classic, classic Rudy, movie, classic. Rudy. Yeah. Um, and then number three, I kind of went off the rails a little bit and went towards a TV show, um, Friday Night Lights. Nice. Mm-hmm. And I had to go with. There's a lot to, to choose from in that in that show for sure. Um, so I picked two: Matt Saracen. How can you not like him? Backup quarterback steps in for uh, Jason Street when he goes when he uh, gets his injury, and then Brian Smash Williams. Um, brings the flash, brings the swagger, and and backs
0: it up on the field. All right, I went off the rails completely, except we had one of the same with Bobby Boucher, but for me, I'm going to go in reverse order. For me, it was number three was Shane Falco from The Replacements, played by Keanu Reeves. Had a lot of mistakes, but (laughs) at the end came through when he needed to. Plus, if you have Neo from the Matrix and or John Wick as your quarterback, I feel very good about your chances. <laughs> number two, I went with the Waterboy. Just a relentless nose for the football, very, very inspired to play well for his mother. And number one, this one is going to be a little weird, but hear me out. It's based surely on ability. I'm going to go with Sunshine, the quarterback from Remember the Titans. He has an arm like a cannon, because he proves that right when he gets to camp and he hits people in the back with the ball. When he eventually <laughs> starts playing, he runs the veer, he runs the option, he's a dual threat. And on the last play of the game of the state championship, he's the lead blocker that leads Rev That's into right. the end zone. That's right. A lot of blocks that probably defy science, but it doesn't matter. <laughs> they were great, he's an all-around football player. There's a, there are some question marks because he only played in high school. So I think his level of competition can be put into question a little bit. All-around football player, I'm going to go with Sunshine from Remember the Titans.
1: How about a question to close? Bobby Boucher, did they ever catch that gorilla that attacked you? <laughs> Yeah, that's right. <laughs> no mama, right. the search continues. That's right. No, right.
0: <laughs> We're waiting for the sequel. So that'll do it for our last segment and our first episode. Thanks for listening to Glass City Game Time, one of America's great sports podcasts. We appreciate you making us a part of your day. You'll be able to listen to us each week on any of our digital platforms on Thursdays. And hey, while you're there, please read our stories, watch our videos, look at our photos. We're doing a lot of great stuff. So for Brian Bucky, for Steve Junga and Canadian airport expert Mark Monroe, I'm Scott <laughs> McNeish. Everybody have a good weekend. See ya.